Busy time of year for us. Isn't it just? Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, have we started, by the way? Uh, no. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, it's my turn. Uh, is it your turn? I can't remember. I can't remember. You do it. Uh, welcome to North v South, uh, the podcast that is and isn't about design. Um, I'm Joel. <laughs> we've, never, we've never done that before no, and, we, not, and I don't think we will do it would you want to do it well I don't know I don't know if, if for people who don't know yeah uh, I'm Rob Turpin uh, this northern boy on everything uh, and you are John Elliman or yeah. Elamondo yeah That's and uh, yeah if you're, if you're kind of tuning in for the first time we're two designers who used to work together who enjoy talking about design but not not the not the highfalutin design that you see on the blogs and award ceremonies. Although we will talk about design blogs and award ceremonies occasionally. Yeah. That seems to be all that there is in the news, isn't there? Yeah. Um, but no, no, we talk about studio life and uh, or what we remember from studio life and freelancing. Um, it's, not a, it's not about tips or anything like that. It's just chewing the fat. Have you got any tips? <clears throat> yep. You want, well, you want them as well. <laughs> a little bomb mot. It's take, 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 isn't it? <clears throat> I, I, I tweeted a tip this week. Did you? Yeah. Did I missed that? It was a bit, well, probably it was so boring, but it, it was a revelation that I'd never known about. You Go probably on. know this. Um, one of the pains in the bottoms of, uh, of life is dealing with office documents and extracting images from a Word document is the biggest pain, um, generally, because they are resized and when you copy and paste them out they're tiny mm. um, so you have to then reset them to the size but what you do is you just take the word doc uh change the uh extension to zip then open it up and it opens a zip file with all the folders in and you can then just take your images out that's very clever yeah how did you discover that uh did you wake up from a dream no i zipped one up no did i i accidentally did it and um, or did somebody tell? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, it was very recent, so uh, no, I normally know all these little secret things. But that was a really good one. Yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, it was in there in a media folder, and they're all sized at one hundred percent. So you don't have to worry about all that faffing about because uh, you know invariably get ninety percent of things I get sent are in Word documents for some yeah, reason. Same I don't know why. Why do people have to copy put images into a Word doc and the then only send you the way they know how? <laughs> Yeah. Well, there was a bit of chat about this on Twitter recently about someone who, you know, asked for a, I don't know, a, a JPEG of a, no, they'd asked for a, a logo as an AI file. And someone had placed a JPEG into an Illustrator file and sent them that. Yeah, that, that adds, because I, I do get that, you know, when you say, oh, yeah, PDFs are all right, but they have to be non-bitmap and people's, they just glaze over. Yeah, they them. melt, don't they? <clears throat> I had I did an I did an exhibition uh, recently, which was a resounding success apparently. By Good, all reports. Uh, yeah, hundred percent rebooking on it. Wow, That's unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, we did you know did a lot. It was a big big show five five hundred plus exhibitors. Um, and uh, so I did a lot of signage and a lot well a lot of advertising for it. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it was obviously gathering all of the partner logos and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I kind of preempted it by telling them to get 
all the logos, you know, in high res. And it just didn't work out. And in the end, I just gave up because uh, I just, you know, we just did a last minute sweep and got all the high res when we needed them. But yeah. um, I just gave up trying sending out the same email. I must have sent at least 100 emails explaining uh you know graphic formats and it's just not worth it people aren't interested because it's no. really boring yeah <laughs> and it, even even on a show like this <laughs> i was just nodding off then i was like friday night what i love talking about are uh, graphic formats yeah <laughs> and is it is it gif or gif <laughs> no wonder jess is away <laughs> <laughs> she's away permanently <laughs> oh yeah she's a permanent redirect oh. uh, that's too much web stuff now yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my tip. That's a good one. Segway. Yeah, I'll be using that. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's going on this week? Uh, well, did we miss a week? We haven't missed a week, have we? We just no, missed, we a day. Missed, a no, I've, I've, we've missed a day. No, we've missed a day. I haven't taken any notes. Um, so um, you're going okay. to have to carry me through this. Well, I'll tell you what I've been up to this week. Yes, please. Because I, I, uh, I escaped uh, from my desk for a day on Wednesday and wandered into London town um, and went to a couple of museums, which was delightful. I took a sketchbook, didn't use it. <coughs> but um, I, went to, um, I went to the British Museum to start off with, which is one of my favourite museums. Although it's always, you know, the realisation that it's really just full of things that we've stolen from everywhere, a bit like the V&A. Um, but that was great. It wasn't too busy kind of midweek there's quite a few school kids around crowding around um the mummy of cleopatra um but i went to i went purposefully and went and had a look at the portland vase which i've never looked at before have you seen the portland vase? yeah i have um and i think i've only ever seen wedgwood's copy of it in uh the vna before and for some reason i've never looked it up in the british museum and it's beautiful really lovely if you don't know it's a, a roman glass vase which was kind of rediscovered i guess in sort of the 1700s and inspired sort of a generation of uh, craftsmen and potters and and particularly wedgwood who spent half his life trying to recreate it um, but that was very lovely and then from the british museum i wandered up the road and went to the grant museum of zoology at ucl oh uh, yeah no. it's just I Amazing. went there with my dad when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah, it's a re- is it a really weird one? It's got all sorts of explorers gatherings from It's it's all it's a bit like the Pitt Rivers in Oxford if you've been there. No. It's uh so it's one room. It's not very big. It's one room and all it kind of I don't know, Victorian uh shelving and cabinets just line this room and it's got one of those kind of beautiful balconies that go around the top. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a zoological collection founded in 1828, uh, and it's full of skeletons, stuffed animals, pickle jars, uh, shrunken heads. There are no shrunken heads. There are in the pit rivers. Um, uh, there is a very disturbing dissected monkey head in there though. Um, but it's got, um, examples of the dodo skeleton, the quagga. Uh, the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, and just loads of incredible stuff. And uh, as like a modern museum, I don't suppose it's changed since you went there as a kid. You know, there's very little information about any of the exhibits. A lot of them really haven't got much more than the the kind of original labels on the on the spirit jars. 
Um, and then they've occasionally got like an, an extra bit of info that just says a jar of assorted terrapins <laughs> uh, and things like that. And it is just absolutely bonkers and wonderful. Uh, really strange stuff. Um, yeah, brilliant. Loved, loved it. Would love to go back and um, I'm thinking about becoming a friend because if you become a friend for £15, you can adopt a specimen. <laughs> so I, might, I might adopt a, a flatworm or yeah. something. Yeah, but it was really good. It took some really good pictures. It's, um, it's one of those places it's really easy to get really nice pictures because there's so much clutter that with that flat little lens on my camera, the, the one that you've got as well, you get that real narrow depth of field and just... Yeah. Fab pictures. Um, All right. Yes, it was really good. I'd, someone had tweeted about it. Jealous. Um, I'd never heard of it before, uh, so I thought I'd go and have a look. Mm. Marvellous. Well, what a nice week. Yeah, Have it was you good. done any work? Not a lot. I've been to, <laughs> worked on a, a couple of commissions, and then today I've been on Eel Pie Island. Um, and I, I sent you an example of the, the uh, project I was working on. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah wound care mm. so, you sent me a picture of a gaping wound yeah lovely yeah. but you know i didn't send you the worst one no <sighs> yeah so anyway that's my week very good yeah and yours has <clears throat> just been yeah really work. yeah I, I i'm yeah i'm really boring i yeah i've literally been working till about midnight every night um just trying to crack through the backlog of work that i've got and uh, I feel like another week and I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and next week should be easier because... Yeah, no, definitely. It'll be loads easier. Um, but no, to be honest, it's, you know, I just I just need to finish off all these all these little projects that I've got. Mm-hmm. But I've literally just been coding for, I don't know, three weeks now. And it's it gets really tedious. I feel like you're in the Matrix. <laughs> no, not really. I'm just writing HTML. <laughs> it's not very com- <laughs> it's not very complicated. But I'm um, I'm sorry. I, I use a content management system, which you know is one of these things that powers your your website, allows you to update the client to update it and stuff like that. And I'm using Perch, which is a British made product. Um, I, I use it for everything. I really like it. And I'm using Runway, which is their big daddy version, which I hadn't used before for these two projects that I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, I've just been sort of low, a high high learning curve because um, I'm not a coder. So, um, yeah, but it's been good. I, I, I like I like building the content management systems more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, really boring and technical. So that's that one. Um, <coughs> news? Any news? Any design news? Well, there was something I saw earlier on in the week. Uh, and on our notes, I've put redesigning death. Okay. Um, and it's a Californian design company. It sounds like one of these terrible uh, kind of startup ideas. Um, so it's a, it's a Californian tech company called Idea. Um, and they've started this project to redesign or reimagine how people prepare for, share, and live through that final moment of life. Um, and I th- it was quite interesting to me because I've worked done some design work for the King's Fund, which have uh, an end-of-life care program um, and where they work with hospices and hospitals, um, a, a, kind of focusing a lot on architecture and interior design about how they can 
use design to make end-of-life care a nicer thing, you know, to make it more human and to make those last days or months or weeks um, kind of as lovely as it can possibly be in that situation. Um, so this, it kind of intrigued me a bit. Um, and it's it, they seem to be going about it in a, an interesting way, idiot. So it's, they're really having conversations with people about the people's experience of, you know, the death of a loved one or hospices or things like that. Um, and from those discussions, they're kind of now in what they call, I think, um, an idea mode. So they've had the conversation, now they're in this idea mode. Um, and they're kind of coming up with concepts so nicer rooms for viewing bodies or focusing on getting to know your loved ones while they're healthy and happy um, to things like uh, healing camps for teens who've lost parents. Um, and it's quite sort of high sort of level conceptual stuff, but they've, they've got a track record of putting things into place and they're partnering with quite a lot of uh, hospitals and health centers um, in the U S um, and I think it just sounds like a really fantastic project. And it's, for me, it's more of the thing that design should be, a designer should be getting involved in, you know, things that have a real impact on people's lives rather than just making things pretty. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting company, aren't they? I have heard of them because um, mm. they, I think their old CEO is called Bill Muggeridge off the top of my head. I don't um, know. I've got one of his books. He's uh, It's called Designing Interactions. Um, and they're all about the design of the real world. So, you know, design of toothbrushes is, yeah. is a perfect example. They're actually in that film, featured in that film quite a lot, um, Objectified, which is the second Helvetica. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, I saw it actually, and uh, I didn't know who he was, but um, I went to a showing with a friend of mine, Chad, who's a designer, yeah. and um, uh, who what's um, Johnny Ive? Yep. Was there. Oh. Uh, I, you know, he. I think he would only just come out from behind the curtains, as it were, as, mm -hmm. a, as an Apple person. And Stephen Fry, I think, was there yeah. as well. So, yeah, and um, the other designer he's teamed up with, Mark Newsom, is it? Yeah. So they were there at a sort of question and answer thing. It was very good. It's a good film. I think it's better than Helvetica because I think Helvetica is very uh, navel gazing film. It's but, quite dry as well. <clears throat> yeah, I just the, and it's got that that soundtrack music. Oh, it has, hasn't it? Yeah. Vimeo.com. Yeah. Um, but Objectified is much broader brush and uh, and has much more interesting people in it. I think. Oh, um, I'll yeah. look that one up. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, but yeah, they are an interesting company because they really are proper designers. You know, they are mm. they are solving problems. Yeah, that's what it should all be about. Well, I mean, there is room for just making things pretty, but, uh, you know, designers shouldn't lose sight of the fact that they can do things that can change people's lives. I think that's an important point, yeah. I, I agree with you. But I, I do think on the other flip side, I think it was Andy Clark this week was tweeting about how he's fed up with designers saying, you know, he didn't get into design to make things better. He didn't get into design <laughs> to make things look prettier. But he's always... He's always uh, uh, got a, a large tongue in his cheek, um, yeah. but uh, I think it's a good point that we, you know we've we talked about this with the web becoming very um, uh, systematic uh, and you know uh, form, for, uh, formulaic and following modular uh, modular systems. Um, that it's you know is there going to be a breakout from that and are people challenging it enough? 
Yeah. And that's what, you know, we're talking about the artistic side of design is breaking things, making things a bit more punk. Or, or uh, I shouldn't say punk, should I? I should say a a, uh, <laughs> a revolutionary sound following for teenage children. Yes. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, what did I see? I saw um, I saw one thing today. Another brand, another logo has been launched. Has it? Where they haven't actually done much. Um, oh. And it's uh, it was only in Creative Review this afternoon because that's the only time I've actually looked at anything. Um, <laughs> and um, but it's North have refreshed the tape branding. Oh, um, I actually yeah, I saw a tweet about this, but I didn't actually look at the branding. Oh yeah, and, and um, they've just done a spring clean, um, and they've admitted that it's a spring clean and a tidy up and a refocus. Um, I think it looks really neat, um, and there's a really nice animated uh, bit of the logo where there's sort of a snowstorm of dots that then <laughs> form the the branding. Okay. Um, and what they've done is they've rather than using the that sort of you know the logo is sort of made of lots of dots and it yep. looks like it's um, <coughs> gone through a screen process mm-hmm. um but they've actually they've re um realigned the the hierarchy of it so that at the, at the top you get the tape and then the place where it's at because it is very hard to know they've got so many places now around the uk yeah. that it's hard to know where the show's on at so that that was their sort of uh, one of their one of their big problem solvers um mm-hmm. but I, it it doesn't look much different but it just looks tidier um i, I quite like that uh, it'd be interesting if- well, that's cool i think that's what you know that's that's a that's a perfect example of a of designers doing a good rebrand exactly yeah doesn't necessarily need to be reinvented does it yeah but i, I just wrote what well, they ain't done nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it probably cost however much money yeah how much did it cost disgusting <sighs> yeah you know uh, we're talking it- of um uh, spring cleans uh johnston the typeface, yeah, has had a spring clean. I saw a bit about that. Yeah. Uh, so a while ago, a few weeks ago, we were talking about this. We were obviously ahead of the curve because we were saying this doesn't seem to be anything uh, in the news about the um, centenary of the Johnston typeface. And since we mentioned it, obviously everyone's jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, and there's loads and monotype now. Obviously, um, have taken our cue, and they've re. Uh, I don't see re- redesigned, but they've they've looked again at the Johnston typeface and come up with Johnston 100 and it's supposedly um, closer to the original Johnston um, and keeps some of its kind of kinks and um, eccentricities that New Johnston ironed out. Was New Johnston sort of 70s? Late 60s, 70s? Um, so they've, um, yeah, they've, they've got some of those quirks back in uh, and it's apparently got a bit more room to breathe, and it's close to what Johnston would have would have wanted. <laughs> um, but I haven't seen the side by side, so I don't really know how much they've done. I mean, I've had a look at the the typeface, and it's it's a beautiful typeface anyway. I think, um, and you know the the new weights they've produced and some of the new characters look great, um, but I can't tell any difference just by looking at that one i'm not uh i'm not that educated in uh no um, me neither in time but it looks nice yeah i like the queue i really like yeah the yeah uh, yeah no I, I think it's a i think it's fabulous um i don't know if I, i'd use it now nowadays um unless you were styling something up that needed that because it is dated isn't it i mean yeah 
I love I, and I like the diamond dots. I've always liked those. the diamond dots are lovely. Um, when I say dated, it, it when you use it, you know where it's from. Yeah, it certainly suits. Um, I don't know designs that are kind of harking back to something else. I wonder if it. I mean, I, I imagine it's been used in a really modern way somewhere. Um, it'd be interesting to have a dig around actually and see if it has. Yeah, they've ended up with a rather. They have ended up with a rather boring uh, W from all his early sketches because I remember it had didn't it have it had like a double V shape and like an offset W. Yeah, there was, so there was a really quirky. Oddness, yeah. yeah. They've just they've just ironed that straight out. It just looks like a yeah. Well, maybe he discarded those as being too quirky. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that much yeah. about it. So um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, I would suggest jumping on the bandwagon um, is 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 probably a little bit harsh, but um, yeah, I think that's been done, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, hundred. But Johnson one hundred. What a hundred years old is that? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I like them run together because it's they've written it in one long word. It just looks a bit weird. Yeah, no, I thought that was a bit odd as well. Mm. Anyway, uh, have you got any other snippets? <clears throat> um, no, um, I've got. Uh, I saw one thing today uh, that I wanted. We we can come back to talking about. It was um it was on my Instagram actually earlier. Um, was people showing off um how much it was in their inbox and uh man simon manship won uh by quite a way he his one is a gmail with a little icon above it and it's thirty eight thousand nine hundred and twenty six. and but what i wanted to talk about was uh yeah i think in the future we should come back and talk about how how do you deal with communication and uh um and deal with you know triaging your um uh, incoming communications, uh, yep. you know, and messages and, uh, how do you schedule things and all those kind of things? Cause I think everyone does it differently, but not many people really talk about how they do it. They, they talk about all the apps that they use and, yep. and the million zillion to do lists and calendars and stuff. Oh, to do lists and to do list apps. Yeah. Drive me bonkers. Um, but you know, enough's enough. I say let's, 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 let's solve their problem, Rob. Yes, let's do it. Let's do that. We, we should solve, we solve so many of the world's problems already. <laughs> let's solve should, email. We should get Steph on to talk about email because she's <clears throat> we got a, a wedding coming up and she's had six, over six hundred emails from the bride. What that she's had to deal with? You're joking. What one bride? One bride in I think ten months or something. So, yeah. What? <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's that's inappropriate. It is inappropriate, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So um, oh, yeah, poor was, her. I'll speak to my wife about how to deal with yeah, uh, no, email be... mountains. Wow. Yes. Um, the other thing I spotted, I spotted a couple of other things. I, I did spot the uh, the Euro 2016 team slogans, um, which Nick Asprey had a look at in Creative Review. So go have a look at that. Um, they're all very similar and sound like a Queen song, is the uh, short short description of that. When you say, uh, sorry, is this football? Yes. Ah, right. So slogans, Sorry. what, they, they come to... They're so actually... They have, each team has a little well, epithet. Yes, but <laughs> this, is done by, this is done by one of the sponsors. So uh, I think of it's course. High and I that provide the team buses <laughs> have, have, really? pulled, wow. have, have pulled the, uh, the supporters for what slogan should go on the team bus. Jesus. 
Um, but they're all just rubbish, really. Oh. Albania feels so good to be Albanian. I'm sure it does. Um, Belgium. This is one of the ones that sounds like a Queen song. One team, one ambition. And then we've also that's uh, Belgium. And then Czech Republic. One team, one goal. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there's lots. Is that of how that. many they're going to score? Yeah. Uh, that wasn't. That didn't come out very well, did it? <laughs> um, so yeah, they're not. They're not really very good. Yeah. And I think perhaps if it hadn't been done by a sponsor, they'd perhaps have been able to, you know, investigate that a bit more and um, come up with some better slogans. Um, the other thing I spotted, which I don't know if you've had a chance to look at, is um, a little video called Ignite. No. Which I came across on Vimeo. Um, oh, yeah. It's very hard to describe, but it's a short animation that is made with hundreds of long exposure photographs. So it's a light painting. You know, you see people kind of using a sparkler and writing something in the at night. Yeah. And filmed. So these, they've used all different types of lighting, I assume, um, and created kind of like a a light sculpture through time-lapse and long explosion, exposures. And it's really beautiful and sort of quite magical. Nice. Uh, well, well worth having a look at. Yeah, sounds amazing. Really clever stuff. Um, I was going, my, my only other note that I put in this week, uh, apart from what we're going to talk about in, in a bit, but was, um, uh, there's a, it's, it's conference time, isn't it? It is starting again, especially in the web community, mm. a lot, lots of web conferences going on. And, um, I just wanted to talk about those and whether you ever go to them, um, uh, I've been to a few in the past, um, and found them, I found them quite good, uh, but there aren't many design ones, are there? I mean, actual, you know, for graphic designers. Um, are there any illustration ones? Are there many? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, probably not conferences, I wouldn't have thought. I, I would imagine there'll be smaller scale stuff. I know the House of Illustration up in King's Cross does lots of, you know, it's frequently kind of got seminars and talks and things like that on. Right. But I don't know if there's a, you know, a thing. Yeah, I guess the other the other thing that kind of has that sort of place are award ceremonies for illustration, which often have uh, talks and exhibitions uh, booking uh, bookending them. Um, but I haven't been to any conferences. I wouldn't know why I was going. Really, I've been to a few talks of designers I like. Um, but I don't know. Conference is just too technical for me. I think maybe that's just because, like you said, you know, the vast majority of them seem to be web based. Yeah, they 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 went. I mean, they were quite technical, and then they went through a shit. I mean, there's nothing worse than sitting watching somebody talk you through how some code works. Yeah. Um, but actually, they've become more esoteric. And um, uh, I went to one in Nottingham, and I'm trying to remember who put it on. I think, well, Andy Clark was involved in it. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Simon Collist- Coniston is his name. He's a web designer, mm. really top uh, top quality designer. And um, uh, but anyway, he put on a show, and it but it was more designers talking about design. Um, and it had um, one of my favourite designers called Brendan Dawes. Do you, do yeah, you know him? Uh, I do. And he's fabulous interaction designer, interactive designer. If you don't know his work, he's like an absolute pioneer of it, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's like. I think his agency were 
were originally kind of a flash studio weren't they yeah and um, but he sort of broke out from action script and <clears throat> plugged plugged into all sorts of amazing electronics and yeah lots of sort of generative stuff yeah. when no one had heard what it was yeah and he did a talk which just blew blew me away it was absolutely yeah. inspirational um so i think it can be good to go to these things you know i don't think the workshops i mean i think if you you know might not necessarily be the best things but as a, as a place to meet people socially and a nice bunch of people the web community tends to be very friendly um there's one called beyond telerand which is in germany which is meant to be one of the best ones to go to sounds great huh yeah um it'd be great to go to berlin and um yeah uh, and and see some designers talk about bits and bobs um but yeah because it sort of put me onto it with um i hadn't hadn't been to one for ages when you were talking about draplin the other week and he was at some i don't know what was he at some typography show uh, I don't know. I mean, he uh, he must spend a huge amount of time just travelling to and from places to give his talks. Yeah, he's forever. If you follow his Twitter feed, he's forever doing talks. Weirdly, he numbers his tweets. Does he? He, he his tweets. I think they all start with DDC and then a number. <laughs> he likes a list. If you go on his website, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he does. Um, but I mean, he sort of takes us on to our main topic for today. If you are you got yes, any other absolutely. stuff to talk about? No, no, no. I'm ready. Well, you 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 say why we're talking well, about it? Well, I recently subscribed to Field Notes brand notebooks. Um, I didn't realise there was a subscription for a long time. Um, but basically, you pay a a fee, and they send you their four special editions they produce each year. Um, and I often buy these special editions anyway, so I thought I may as well subscribe. They throw in freebies, and you kind of when you with your first delivery, you get some of their kind of standard books thrown in. Um, and it is beautiful. It comes in a beautiful little box. It comes with you know pencils and pens and rubber bands, and it's a beautiful little gift to get in the post with their latest um, edition of their field notes notebooks. So I stuck it on Instagram and Twitter and stuff um, and Daniel Benworth Gray um, said to me uh, he said uh, so field notes, I don't get it, they're just notebooks right, notebooks what's the big deal, what am I missing uh, and how much is that this subscription, do I need one and this sparked a conversation um, on Path um, there's kind of half a dozen of us involved about, we started off by talking about exactly what it is that makes field notes um, sort of covetable um, and why we buy into them and it kind of spread out to you know why we buy into brands because of the stories um, but it kept coming back to field notes so um, so I tried to tell uh, Daniel why I like field notes and you're a fan of field notes as well aren't you yeah I love I, lo- I like the brand I've had I've only had three I've only Oh, you gave me one as well, a space one. <clears throat> I did, yeah. Um, so they they were uh, created by Aaron Draplin, um, I think in uh, early 2000s, 2006 or something. He produced his first little notebook. And it was based on these kind of mid-early 20th century Midwest agricultural notebooks that um, agricultural suppliers used to give out kind of as advertising to farmers in the Midwest. So they were seed uh, seed suppliers or, you know, they made tractors or, or tools or 
you know, sacks, stuff like that. And he's an avid collector of these things. He's an avid collector of kind of design ephemera anyway, but these in particular, he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, and I think he was he was struck by the fact that you can't really get anything of that. I think he he, he talks about the integrity of them. Um, you can't get anything like quite like that anymore, which you know is a point up for discussion, I guess. But uh, so he decided to produce his own. So he made the first field notes notebook himself um, and printed a few hundred, I think, and they flew out the door. So he he then partnered with. Uh, Koodle partners um, and Field Notes was born and they so Koodle kind of oversee the production and I think Draplin now is 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 kind of a sort of a, an art director for the special editions um, and I love them but Daniel's question of you know what makes them special are they any better than a sixty pence Muji notebook? Is is perfectly valid because they're not really any better. I mean, they're beautiful little things, and they're made with really nice paper stock. And there's, you know, there's thought that goes into all the special editions. But essentially, a notebook is something you write in. So, does it really matter that much? Mm. Um, you know how it's produced and what it's produced from. Um, yeah. So it got, kind of got me questioning that. Um, so, notebooks, fads. Why do we buy them? Well, I think there's so many subjects here, but I think the, let, let's start with the field notes. Um, I'll, I'll admit now, I didn't realise that Aaron Draplin designed them. I, I thought it was a completely coodle product until yeah. you mentioned it last week. And I was like, mm. really? Really? And I didn't say anything. And then, you know, obviously now I totally um, understand it. And it actually makes them make much more sense than they did before because knowing his love of napkin design, um, they perfectly fit that and they follow that kind of uh, ideal as as a, a throwaway object that you don't covet, that yeah. you scribble on with a big thick pencil in the rain, marking out, you know, your, your seed drills or yeah. whatever you've been doing. Um, and I think that for that, they have a lovely feel to them. Um, they, they do feel, they, they don't feel, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree that they feel quality, but they feel of a certain, uh, of a certain age. So, you know, they've got a lovely kind of craft card cover and the paper inside is pretty rubbish. Um, but they are perfect for literally scribbling down. I must do this. I must do that. I've, you know, here's a note on this. They're not for lovingly crafting. And we'll get onto that a bit later. You know, the, the what moleskinner after sniffing around after is, yep. you know, the, the, the fact that you, you're absolutely terrified to put pen to paper inside a notebook because it's so beautiful. Mm. They're, they, they perfectly utilitarian. And I guess what he's questioning is the subsequent development of them into more of a, a collectible item that some of them are really quite posh, aren't they? Um, <laughs> And I don't think that at all because I think they, you know, it's a business that's worked and it's making money and it's and they look great and they're they're fantastic little things. But yeah, there's no difference between them and a um, a fifty p notebook from Smiths. But you know, people like brands, don't they? Um, they do. And it's about you know, especially designers or especially the stereotype of designers. Um, 
in the fact that, you know, they cover things, don't they? There's certain weird things, but they cover things like, I don't know, bikes. Um, they, they certainly uh, <laughs> certainly cover bikes. You know, yeah. Or, or you know, coffee, good coffee, <clears throat> posters and yeah. books and beards and pens. And, you know, it, 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 it's that kind of, that's our mentality, isn't it? As a, as a. Uh, it is. I guess as designers, we're on that, uh, which is the creative side of the brain. The left, is it? Yeah. I think, you know, a fine artist is very left brain. Designers, you know, we're edging over towards the right, aren't we? Um, so it's why we like measurements and, you know, point uh, type sizes and and that kind of things. And I guess that all feeds into kind of a love of you know collecting and and sourcing things and uh, and it's funny you said you know they they're kind of designed to be not covetable uh kind of throwaway things but and yet that essence of them has has made them covetable yeah no totally um i just think that it i i admire them i don't I'm not, I kind of, I kind of agree with both of you. I, I think that, um, cause they're not, you know, I've, I've kind of stopped using notebooks. I still have some, um, but I just, I literally write rubbish in them. So I might be, as well be writing on a bit of kitchen towel or whatever, which I, yeah, yeah. I actually now just recycle printed paper and I yeah. just write on that. Um, but I, so therefore I think, yes, no special notebooks don't really have a, you know, they don't have a real purpose, but, um, as collectible, lovely, beautiful objects, they're fantastic. Um, and I don't see any problem with them. I, mm. I think they've built a brilliant business. I think I've hardly seen them. Um, and I, but I haven't worked in offices, you know, especially in studios for a long time now. So I don't, if I said to a common person on the street, you know, a friend of mine or whatever, you know, have you seen these field notes things? They wouldn't have a clue what I was I, talking about. I don't think they're even that well known. I mean, designers know about them, but I don't think they're not like moleskin or something. No, um, maybe in America they're they're more well known because you can you know you can buy them in more places. Yeah. Over here, there's there's kind of few places that sell them, um, so you have to buy them on the internet. But um, which makes them quite expensive, doesn't it? They're about a tenner for three, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, um, which makes the subscription good because you your first subscription you get. They throw in an extra um, half a dozen things. Right. So what, what uh, is the subscription? Is it a bit skinny? It's, it's $97. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, so you're getting a minimum of 30 notebooks. Right. Plus all yeah, that extra a, bits and pieces. That's a lot of writing, isn't it? But I guess they're perfect for presents and stuff. So that's over a year yeah. you get, and you get sent out, what, a few a month, is it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, every quarter. Right. Um, oh, it sounds like a, a good a little box. Yeah, really nice. Um, and you say you've stopped using notebooks so much. Well, uh, I've got, I've got, I've literally got one in here in front of me, um, and uh, it's a, uh, it's a last a, entry, eighteen fifty eight. No, no, no. I still write in them, but it's. I, I'm not sure I like this this one. Um, it's a, a Luke term. Luke term. Yeah, I've like just nineteen seventeen. I've got um, one of those on at the on the go at the minute. I find I, I I now I agree with you. The fold they don't fold very well, no. and the pages curl really easily. And they're yep. probably a better quality paper, but I don't really care. You know, I really, you know, I really don't care. I, I'm next to it, I've got a um, a uh, a Waldo pancake 
and um, one of those sort of 1970s square stacks of what you know with the wax back oh yeah, and yeah. it's got like tear off notes on it and i yeah. use that more than anything else yeah. just to scribble th- little things on but um but generally i don't i no, i don't sit and scribble in a notepad i i use um since i've gone back to ios um i use notes uh yeah i just it syncs across everything and it's just the i know it's a tiny little app but it's just one of those things that's so so brilliant so useful it works so well across from phone to uh to desktop um there was one on, i think there's one on android and it's called um oh i've forgotten what it's called but it's actually really good um their one but it doesn't didn't sync with anything so you couldn't get it out of it into anything else yeah um but yeah i i, I and i use that for all my note my note taking so uh, i don't need necessarily much of a piece of paper anymore um so i've i've started using notebooks even more i mean obviously i've got my sketchbooks and kind of notebooks that i use for sketchbooks or sketching in um but the field notes and the look term um i've found myself over the last few weeks probably since i started working in design again on eel pie is making you know mammoth amounts of notes um which i never used to do um, so the field notes great for that. Um, I took one into London with me, and although I didn't do any sketching, <clears throat> you know, I did make quite a few notes about a, a little project while I was in London. Um, and yeah. al- although I do use the the notes app on the the phone, I tend to use it for one or two specific things, and not not just when stuff springs to mind. Hmm. Yeah, I I because obviously I've got this. Um, this idea for printing these things and it, and it is literally a, a direct knockoff mm. of, of field notes, but it wasn't actually born out of that. It's when I was doing the first world war project, Frank project. Um, yeah. I read a lot of war diaries and a lot of, um, basically they, the, uh, public record office just got bundles of, um, each different, uh, either a, a division or brigade or, um, or even down to regiment level, uh, got all their notes. So they had to write each, each, um, regiment had to write a uh, or a battalion sorry had to write war notes so they wrote a, a daily diary um and then that was it, that was then sent into the brigade and then the brigade would then send that into the division etc etc and it'll go all the way to the top but each of these got recorded but with them bundled with them were all the appendices of you know certain sections sending in scribbled notes or yeah. sketches or um yeah, just, or, you know, sort of um, how many casualties they had. But these things aren't written, you know, at the beginning they're written on official paper, but pretty soon when it became massively chaotic um, and they were really, you know, up against it in sort of, say, October, November 1914 when the British Army had pretty much bled itself to death. Yeah. Um, they're writing on anything they can get their hands on and essentially notebooks so you get these the the end of the the documents are just filled with scans of amazingly different shaped size and uh, shapes and sizes of notebook that the these guys were obviously being sent out from fortnum and mason or wherever they you know the officers yeah were getting things or stationers wherever they were getting them from so there's and they're you know there are rip marks on them and punch uh, hole punches and it's just wonderful and there's you know um that's where my main inspiration from i wanted to create a um a kind of army like a, a 1914 army style notebook that you could put in your pocket that was you know um 
dedicated to that style. But I can't find any, I haven't done enough in-depth history, uh, research into it. I just never had time, but you know, of what, notebooks were available in 1914 in london and i'd love to know because i would then obviously find those things and i would copy them and and then sell them as a project as a product because that is where really the inspiration comes from it field notes is a kind of is an american product and i i don't think we have that kind of yeah that history but this is where my ephemera comes from is, is what, what are those fantastic. sizes but it's some of the drawings rob are just i was trying to find some tonight and I've, I, I have, i'll find some and post them but the the uh, public record stuff is is copyright so i have to be careful what i what i show um but um there's drawings of like them in um they're in this place called what they call plug plug street wood and while they're being attacked by germans some of the officers are having a pheasant shoot <laughs> Which is amazing. I don't suppose they need anyone to beat for them, do they? If they've no. been shot at, uh, and they and they got, um, yeah, exactly. That's what. That's why they were shooting at them. But they got <laughs> their. Um, but they, they've actually sketched. You know the the actual shoot they've sketched yeah. what's going on while they're being attacked by germans um, it's brilliant multitasking it's just amazing and then there are sketches of you know all sorts of trench placements and stuff and maps and you know i copied a lot of my maps from literally from hand drawings that were written yeah. in notebooks um and i think that's where the the essence of the field notes comes from is, is this kind of common man in the field recording things yeah. Um, and that's what I love about it. I think that that's, that's wonderful, you know, drawing in sort of in really hard pencil on paper, because yeah. when it pissed down with rain, you never lost it. If you write in pen or anything like that, it's game over, isn't it? Yeah, but um, these things are permanent and what, you know, and they've lasted, they're still, they're still there now and they still look, and I just, I just think that, that the scans of them just look amazing. I'd love to see them in, in real life. I, I, I do need to go up there and, 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 you know, rummage around in the boxes. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's what that's my my feeling on it. And what I love about it is, you know, they're messy and they're torn and they're tangible things. Notebooks. Mm. Um, I don't use mine for re, you know going back through, but occasionally I'll pick ones up, and I've got I've got piles of them on top of um, bookshelf up the, up the top there. I mean, literally, I've got I don't know twenty of them. Yeah, uh, and you go back, and they're going back. I don't know, fifteen, twenty years, um, and some of the things I've written in there. <laughs> believe and some of the drawings are amazing uh, yeah. but yeah I, I um yeah i think i think we do designers do love to fetishize fetishize things yeah, yeah. um and notebooks is a particularly easy one to, to do i i you know what do you think of like the you you like the moleskin and the well i love i like moleskins because uh just from a practical point of view the the paper quality is good enough for me to draw on and they lay flat yeah, uh, and they've got a hard back. I find it really hard to sketch in anything that hasn't got a hard back. You know, so so most uh, field notes are no good for me for sketching. They're all about note taking, really. Um, but the moleskin thing is weird because I think a lot of people think they're you know this old brand that's been around for a hundred years. Yeah, it's rubbish, um, isn't it? Absolutely. They they're based on a notebook that the travel writer Bruce Chatwin talks about in one of his books i think the song lines is the book and he talks about these um black hardback notebooks and um i think uh, an italian design and publishing company uh read this and thought well let's start making that. i think bruce chatwin laments the 
the fact that they're, they're no longer made. Um, I think it must be after Bruce Chapman had died, this Italian company decide that they're going to start making them again. And they call them moleskins, which is what Bruce Chatwin referred to them as. Um, and they they kind of market them on being uh, the heir and successor to the legendary notebooks used by Van Gogh and Picasso and Hemingway, <laughs> which is like just a huge made-up kind of assumption, isn't it? Yet, if you ask most people when moleskins were first published or produced, they'd probably say, oh, 1930 or something like that. And it's, it was 1997. <laughs> it's just remarkable. Yeah. But I, I think the other thing is, I don't think you can call it a fad because they've been around a long time. Um, and I found a, I found a, um, an article uh, <clears throat> recently. What was it? Um, it's on, I don't know what this site is. Um, the Art of Manliness. Have you heard of that site? I have. Oh, I should be uh, bookmarking it immediately. Uh, it's called, the, the, in the articles, The Manly Tradition of the Pocket Notebook. Um, and it talks predominantly about field notes, but also then about the, um, the you know, the, the, the stinky lies that... Um, that Moleskin have told, yeah. um, but they're, they're calling it a fad then. And this article's 2010. So I th- don't think it's a fad. No, I mean, they're, they're big enough, aren't they? And the, the products are of a high enough quality and they're, uh, the, it's going to survive any fad. Um, and they produce, you know, such a variety of products now as well. Don't they? Moleskin? I mean, they produce clothes and bags and briefcases and, yeah, well, it's Everything. not a new thing, is it? I remember my dad with Filofax, you know, thinking, yeah. you know, oh, swanning around with this hugely fat book, uh, you know, filled with all sorts, because you could get the one, they're like the super exec ones that had all sorts of yeah. ridiculous things in them, didn't they? Of um, just tranches of plastic um, credit card folders and business card things and all sorts of nonsense in it. Calculators. I remember there was a calculator in it that was on a, you know, on a punch on hole punches that was <laughs> folded inside this ridiculous thing. Um, but now, you know, you just got it in your, you've got it in your phone, haven't you? A lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of that thing. But, you know, my, the essence of it is, is note taking is why, why do we take notes? What, what, what are we using these notebooks for? Why do we need to do them? What do you think it helps you do? Well, uh, actually <clears throat> the uh, motto of, field notes is i'm not writing it down to remember it later i'm writing it down to remember it now (laughs) and for me that's that's kind of the essence of why i write notes because it helps me understand uh what i'm writing about the problem that i'm trying to solve um and i i think the act of writing stuff down helps me understand it so for me that's the main reason i take notes i could just print stuff out um, you know, if I'm working on a design project, I could just print everything out and have it on in front of me. But to to go through it and write down kind of key points and my thoughts just helps clarify everything in my head and helps me understand it better. So that's that's very much why I take notes. And do you think? I mean, I don't know anything about the psychology behind that. Um, but what do you think could- I do? No, I just, I, 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 it'd be interesting to know why, why we need to do it. Cause I'm exactly the same. If I, if I'm lo- learning, say a new bit of CSS or whatever, I write it down on, on a note, on a, you know, bit of note mm. paper. Um, and that goes in then. And, and if I don't and try and remember, I just always have to end up, you know, 
copying and pasting or whatever. Um, but uh, if I write it down, it goes into my brain. What What is it? don't know. It must be something about a physical, the physical act of reproducing. It must know that, that kind of etches it we're, in you. We're back to those pigeons brain. again, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it must, uh, I don't know. There must be a proper, you know, medical, physiological reason why it's it works. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we have to, are there any, is there anybody out there with the brain larger than the peanuts that we share between us? <laughs> that can possibly... No. Yeah, any psychologists? Or- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, why, why, do we, why do we take notes? But um, so what are we saying about notebooks then? Let's uh, summarise up as we're hitting, hitting the hour. Or do you want to carry on talking well, about it? No, I... Uh- <sighs> I don't know. I think there people are going to be in two camps, aren't they? There are people who think a notebook is just something you throw away, and it's the it's the notes you put in them that's the most important thing. And there's other people who are going to covet the books themselves as a collectible item. Um, and I guess there's there's a Venn diagram to be drawn here, isn't there? There's people who take notes, people who covet notebooks, and in the middle, people who covet notes, notebooks, and take notes. Um, I, I'm I'm there. Yeah, um, but I, I, the key is, um, even if you're buying these notebooks to cover, that use them, make notes, write stuff, um, make them lived in rather than pristine. You know, make them in a hundred years the things that you saw from the public records office. Give them a story of their own, not just the one that. Field Notes brand have given them. There you go. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> have, have you got a, uh, a website of the week? Uh, I have indeed. Uh, I was actually going to feature it last week, um, but it's um, Avant Garde um, magazine from the late 60s. I think 68, the first one was published. Um, around f- till 1971. Oh, my pie has just arrived. Thank you, dear. Um, <laughs> Uh, 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 produced by Ralph Ginsberg and Herb Lublin, the uh, designer and typographer. Um, And every single copy of it, um, which I think is 14 over three years, has been put on the web in high resolution for you to to have a look at. Um, And I love having guys. As a kind of a design student, my first, I think my first experience of avant-garde as a typeface, I think was um, either an Audi or a Volkswagen advert, which was famously used on. VW, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Um, And it was set super tight. Um, And I remember reading the caption, which was Herb Lublin had had, um, sort of uh, complimented the designer on, how tight he'd set the uh, uh, the type, um, and so that's kind of where my knowledge of avant garde came from. Um, you know, I knew it was at a typeface way before the um, before I knew about the magazine. But um, I think it's nice that you know, quite an influential magazine like that. You know, it's it's just up there now for everyone to have a look at, uh, and it's just free. Yep. All right. It's just I have free. a look at them. Avant-garde. Because <clears throat> you'd think jobs. they'd be, yeah. Well, hats off to them for not trying to yeah. know, scarf so a load I, of cash for it. I don't know who 
has put it online. Um, oh, it's the Herb, I think it's the Herb Lubalin Study Centre. Of course. There you go. You can go to a badger study centre to study badgers in the wild. Absolutely. And you yep. can go to the Herb one to see him. Yes. Herbalising. <laughs> um, Yours? Oh, I don't have one. What, oh, no, what? but um, well, I th- you know field notes. <laughs> no, um, oh no, I don't have one. I have. We could just go straight to your pie tail. Yes, I. Uh, there was a knock at the door today, and um, it was a delivery uh, of a large polystyrene box. And I thought, my goodness, what has Jessica ordered? But she's not here. I, I had no idea what it was, um, and uh, inside it was a. Um, was a pork pie. Um, and uh, I immediately thought it was you, that you'd ordered a couple and sent them on. Um, you did. It's, it's from Bray's Cottage Pork Pies, uh, who won a great taste gold to, in 2011. Uh, so hopefully the pie's not that old. Um, they're called perfectpie.co.uk, if you're looking at them. And it came with a CV and everything. Oh. Um, uh, Tell us something about it. It's got um, well, I didn't know who, who who'd sent it until I unwrapped it when it had um, the words "dad" written on it. <laughs> a bit of which, a giveaway, which was really bizarre for me because um, I never really celebrated Father's Day with my dad because he was never around. But um, so I don't really understand the concept. And then I hadn't really thought that I was a dad at any stage because my kid's only two. Yeah. So it was a bit. It was a bit of a shock. Oh yeah, and it, it took me a while to for the penny to drop. <laughs> I, I was gutted when that penny dropped, though, because I was thinking, yeah. it was, I was clinging on to this little ray of hope that some fan of the podcast out there had sent us both a pie. <laughs> yeah, and no, I was going to get I home thought. to find one. Well, that's the, that was my second thing. I thought it was my mate Liam, who's a big uh, yeah. uh, pie fan from that way. So, um, but it wasn't him. It was it was my wife, very generously. Uh, well, Kitty had sent it, obviously. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's come with a uh, it's it's a pork pie, but not quite like other pork pies. And there's a whole spiel uh, going on. I'm not going to read it because it does go on a bit. Um, but it's a hot water crust um, pork pie, um, hand cut. I'd say. Uh, it's. Shall I just go into the review? Go for it's, it. It um, looked fabulous. It does, it does look fabulous. It's quite sticky on top, so it's been glazed. Um, the pastry. Mm. Oh my god! The good pastry, chewing sounds. The, the pastry is insanely good. It's almost like a biscuit. Yeah. Mm. There's very little jelly, which is something that I I do crave. I do. I love a jelly. The filling is interesting. It's um, it's nice. I I'd say it's a little bit overspiced for me. It's got a lot of mace in it, which mm. makes it taste a bit chemically for my liking. Okay. And, and it's got bacon in it as well, so there's a smoky taste to it. Ooh, that's quite but, nice, though. But all in all, it's got to be an eight. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it is a. It, the pastry is something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the filling is for. It's you know you'll go one way or the other with with people, but I reckon you should you should definitely check out Bray's Cottage Pies. I'm going to have to try them now. Um, well, my pie this week. Oh, oh have you got a, a beverage? Mm. A bit badger beer. Badger beer. Mm. Good. I was bought uh, a load by my wife before she went away, so that oh, I didn't go nice. mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a uh, a tribute, a Cornish Pale Ale, which is very nice. 4.2%. Quite malty, but that's good. 
and I've got a pie, and I've got a feeling I've, I might have reviewed this pie before, um, which is from my local butcher's, Robson's, uh, and it's a chicken, leek, and tarragon pie. Um, but I'm having it hot. I don't normally have their pies hot. So I've got no accompaniments because I bought some pickle lily, but I'm having it hot, so that wouldn't have worked. So I'll just go in. It's a very lovely-looking pie. Um, got a feeling it's very hot, so bear with me. Oh, yeah, hot. <laughs> oh, very hot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very hot. That's lovely. I don't, I've, like I said, I don't normally have them hot, but I think I might. I might from now. The pastry is beautiful, really crispy, nice creamy inside. Not quite finely chopped chicken, um, and just a hint of tarragon. Not too, not too tarragony. Um, but that's really good. Really, really tasty pie. So that's going to get. I always mark higher than you, but that's going to get an eight as well. Whoa, right. that's a good, good pie. That is a good pie. Mm. I, I've, I've been thoroughly spoiled. Mine is it's huge. It's a huge pie. So um, that's all I'm going to be living on over the uh, <laughs> uh, over the weekend. I, uh, it is pie for breakfast. Yeah, um, I'm going to try Kitty on it. See what she thinks. <clears throat> yeah. She'll probably say bit spicy, Daddy. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> she likes brown sauce. Well, there you go. Yeah, she had brown sauce on her sausages tonight. Good on her. Yeah, nice work, Kitty. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what to finish up with. I mean, next week we are going to have an episode on the day we vote uh, whether we are stupid idiots or whether we're sensible people. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes it fills me with immense sadness thinking about us exiting me too. Europe. I mean, not, not just sadness, but dread and depression. Yeah. And uh, we really are opening ourselves up to the idiots, um, especially what's gone on this week yep. <clears throat> it's horrific um so uh, i urge you to vote at least yes go um go execute your democratic right um yeah, it's going to be an interesting one next week isn't it because we'll be um recording the show after we've voted but before we know the results yeah before the exit polls and everything so fingers crossed it's not our last episode in europe <laughs> well, the, the strange thing is, there's a few polls have come out just recently, haven't there? Some research by YouGov and stuff, and it just shows that the people who are voting to um, leave Europe are the ones that are least informed about when the referendum is, which might be a good thing. Um, but they're also least likely to trust almost anyone in authority. So MPs, scientists... Um, public figures, um, heads of public bodies, you know, the UN, uh, banks, and they just don't trust anyone. So uh, there's a, a, a big wedge of the population that is obviously so disassociated from politics and um, decision-making that there's just no convincing them. There's no arguing with them. Because their their response is, well, I don't believe you, or I don't trust you, or I don't trust them, and that's what's terribly sad. Mm. But do you think we've <clears throat> lost the ability to make decisions for ourselves? I don't know, but this shouldn't be a decision we're making for ourselves. 
It should be you know, being made by our democratic government we, elected, we elected government, surely. It's the most complex thing. Someone uh, tweeted today saying it's like uh, asking a toddler to disarm a nuclear bomb. Mm. And even if it's successful, you'll look back on it and go, why in God's name did we do that? So, I don't know. But on that note, I'm going to go eat my pie, John. On your bombshell. Yeah. yeah well, enjoy the weekend. Um, you too. Hope it goes uh, smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have so- mu- mussels tomorrow and uh, pizza on Sunday. Um, and then um, And then start thinking about the brawn and... Uh, and, and gruel for the week after that. <laughs> okay, well, you enjoy your weekend. <laughs> say, say hi to Jess when she arrives back. I will. And, yeah, say hi to Steph right here. Will do. And enjoy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you.